to make sure the first black president got elected to office, I knew it was my responsibility to be there. I am Algene Sadgery, and this is The Minority Leaders, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of women of color changemakers in politics, policymaking, and business. Put on those safety glasses as we continue to break all of the glass ceilings. Welcome to the Minority Leaders. Today, we have an incredible guest for you. Her name is Charmian Kinder. She is a social impact advocate, corporate responsibility strategist, and master communicator with 20 years of experience in executing influencer campaigns and transformational change initiatives for the next generation of American leadership. I absolutely love this episode because Charmian is, she's currently serving in the Biden-Harris administration as the director of the Office of Communications for the Peace Corps, which is an institution I absolutely love. And she also served in the previous uh, Democratic administration working at the White House as a press aide for First Lady Michelle Obama. She has done incredible work in the media and public affairs communication space, but also has just led these incredible social impact campaigns for organizations like Global Citizen, Values Partnerships, Apple, Walt Disney Company, just you name it. She talks about in this episode getting her start in the social impact world at the Ad Council. She has a background of working on issues that are about making sure to make a positive impact, bringing people to the table who can help make those types of positive impacts, and really empowering young people. And so I love talking to women like this. And of course, like I think I need to give a production credit, I swear, to Howard University as well as Delta Sigma Theta because it seems like many of my guests are Deltas and Howard University grads these days. I just want to invite other people to come, other sororities and other schools to come and participate and share your background. But yes, she went to Howard University School of Communications. She also has an executive education degree from Harvard Business School. And she's just a really dynamic, passionate change maker. And I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And if you did enjoy this episode as much as I did, I hope that you subscribe and you share and you review and you like and all the things because we want to keep this going. We want to keep bringing you dynamic, incredible women who are doing big things in policymaking, in business, in politics as well. And so please subscribe please like us. Please write a review. I want a five-star review. If you're four-star, don't write it. It's like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> five-star reviews. And we want to hear from you, okay? Look us up on at the Minority Leaders on Instagram as well. Welcome to the Minority Leaders. I am so excited to have my new friend and fellow Biden 46 African-American staffer here joining me today. She is a Howard University grad. She is a Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated soror of mine. And I am just so happy to have you, Charmian Kinder, on the show today. Welcome. 
Thank you, LG. Thank you for having me here. So excited to dive in with you. Well, yeah. I mean, I was just reading about your background and you're just so impressive. First of all, you have this social impact work that you started doing many, many years ago before I think it was kind of cool, <laughs> right? Like now it's the, the in cool thing and you've been doing that for years. Talk about what led you to that journey I have been in uh, public affairs and communications for most of my career, but it took me a little while to figure out what I wanted to be doing with my time on the earth. And so I had done some, a little bit of healthcare PR and worked at SEIU at one point and worked with labor, uh, had done some work with nonpartisan civic participation and voting rights and things. And sort of always, especially because you know we're both members of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, we care about changing the atmosphere to some degree. So yes. I always knew I was going to be a change agent. I didn't know how. And one thing that really sort of solidified it for me is working at the Ad Council. I had done some good work at the Ad Council on campaigns like Play 60 and uh, obesity prevention and different things with the NFL. And then Barack Obama ran for office and I had the good fortune of organizing on that campaign. And I got a chance to work for First Lady Michelle Obama and just sort of seeing how she moved through not only the United States, but the entire world really solidified for me that I wanted an entire career focused on social impact because what it does really is brings people together. You get to focus mm-hmm. on policy sometimes, but then you just get to focus on what's best for people. And it doesn't always sort of depend only on a congressional or a federal timeline. I've loved that. I've loved that work, seeing how young people responded all around the world to how awesome not only that family was, but specifically the first lady and her work just really inspired me to exclusively focus on campaigns that I thought would make a difference in the hearts and minds, specifically of young leaders who are thinking about stepping up and being change makers around the world. Well, that is really impressive. You went from the Ag Council, which I think, so just to break down, the Ag Council, they do basically social impact ads, right? So the Ag Council, for the most part, if you might've heard of Smokey Bear or you know the woman with the arms saying we can do it, the number probably changed, but there are about 40 campaigns a year that just focus on doing metrics and studies and things on how we can change behavior around the country and what kind of messages we can leverage to make sure people have the best information they can use. And so they focus on issues around the country, whether it be nutrition education or childhood obesity or not being a mean person and you know really uh, stamping out racism and different things. And then they work partner with governments and different things to ensure that these campaigns make it around the country. So it's just really methodical, but I think it's fantastic because it's with high levels of intention that they're putting good messages out into the world. I love that. I mean, when you think about social impact, you are talking about behavioral change. And that's really an interesting connection that I just made in my head. Oh yeah, that's basically what you're trying to do is trying to get people to change their behaviors for the greater good. Okay. That's correct. So you also worked for one of my sheroes, Michelle Obama, first lady, Michelle Obama. That makes me think you must know Disha Dyer really well. Of course. And I know she was a guest on your show, but Disha is a rock star, uh, bold, brilliant, out front, always working with girls and just a dynamic, dynamic leader. So yes, I do. We did not work in her office at the same time, but I, I love Disha very much. 
Oh my goodness. So, you know, it's such a small world because Disha and I went to high school together. Like Mm -hmm. I know her from boarding school. (laughs) Like we lived in a small community in boarding school and I was on the hill and she was like, oh, you know, come do a fellowship at the, you know, internship at the White House. I was like, all right, girl. And look where she ended up. So it's just such a- Look where she ended up. Right? It's such an amazing space to be in. Can you talk a little bit about your experience working in the Obama White House? I mean, I didn't work in that administration, but it's so different to me than working on the Hill or working in the private sector doing this work. And you've been back and forth, right? So talk about that. Well, I'll address sort of how it was. And I would say one of the most dynamic experiences of my professional career. And the reason is because I identify very deeply and we're on the minority podcast, right? The minority leaders podcast, right? Yeah. So I went to uh, undergrad, as I mentioned, at Howard University and feel very passionately about uh, young people, specifically people of color, specifically young women, seeing themselves lead. I've never been bashful about that because I happen to be a woman of color and I've always believed in my ability to lead. And so, you know, as we go along our professional paths, not everybody else believed that at a certain time. And I think the Obamas really stepped up and said to the country, uh, specifically President Obama, I would like to lead this country. Here's my vision for the country. Here's how I want to move forward. And he meant it. That was electric, right? Whether we had people who were wanting universal health care, we wanted people who wanted to see equal rights for people, especially in a first American country and in a Native American population, LGBTQIA plus uh, community, the Latino community, our community, and I'm black. And so the black community. And so it was just dynamic to work for a leader that had a very clear vision and was very serious about executing that vision and bringing people along the way. And we felt that every day that we got to work. And then he was very smart in marrying one of the most brilliant dynamic leaders I've ever met. And Michelle Obama was a powerhouse and we saw that. And so being able to have a boss that you're seeing every day, you're seeing how uh, strategic she is, you're seeing how she's thinking about bringing everyone in, you're seeing how she's confident who she is and where she came from. And then that just gives permission for everyone around her to be able to do the, exactly the same thing. And that was my first time working in an environment that was that affirming. And so it was fantastic. And I, you know, I think what was different is just how many people that we were able to bring along the way. As I mentioned, that there was no COVID at the time. So we had to organize the country. And I moved to Missouri, talked to thousands of people probably over the years that I was an organizer. And we brought everyone in the country into the White House with us, uh, specifically military communities, specifically people that we know were, were depending on us to make excellent decisions and work our hardest on their behalf. And so I just love that I had a deep personal connection to that uh, specific assignment. But to your point, you know, going forward, it's just been really important to me to work on things that I also care about deeply and that mean a lot to me and other people because I've seen the power of not only just having a job or a professional career, but really sort of what is the result of the work that you wake up and do every day with the people that you are doing the work with? And is it going to make the world a better place? And that's kind of really to your great point uh, and question earlier, how I decided expressly to go into social impact. Because for me, it's about certainly making sure that I keep my housing over my head and that I can support myself and my family. But I also have special gifts, as does every human being on this earth. And there's no better feeling than being able to connect with other people who have talents uh, just to make this world and this country better than we found it. Right. Uh, Very hard to do. But, you know, you got to have people who believe it can happen. And so that's what I wake up uh, to do every day. I raise my hand for assignments that empower me to do that. 
I love that. We Deltas, man. We HU, Bison, women. We get it done. You are so impressive. And I just love the journey that you just told about how you were so inspired by Obama. You were inspired by the people that you met out there in the field and doing that grassroots work. I have done campaign work, honey. And the people in the communities that you meet, those are the people that really make you excited about doing working in this space for that social impact work. And you talked about how Obama, you were so excited by him. I remember a lot of us who, you know, were on the Hill for a long time and already jaded about politics in this country, even though we worked in the political apparatus. We were like, what? He's barely a senator. Okay, a couple of my friends were really heated about it. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, he's he bold. He said, be all, you know, the audacity. Okay. But, you know, when I think about change makers and what you're talking about, social impact and making change, and da-da, you got to be like a risk taker. You have to be out there and you have to believe in yourself. One thing you said is that you believe in yourself. How did you get that confidence, that audacity? I mean, was it just being around Obama or like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, this came from New Haven, Connecticut. I'm, I'm from New Haven. My parents oh, um, wow. have been married for 55 years, so I feel very blessed and lucky. And they had a vision for their family. And for me, they just put a big community of adults around me. I grew up in the AME Church. I still go to Kingdom Fellowship here. I was in dance school. I was a cheerleader. I was class president. I was engaged and involved. And so I've always had a sense that I'm not just responsible for myself, but that I'm responsible for my community and the people around me. And I think my parents were very intentional about putting that principle of service to others into my character as they were raising me. And so I've always been attracted to those things, but you know, you don't always get in environments that, especially not as a woman of color, you know, pre, I say pre-Obama and post-Obama, right? Because pre-Obama, you know, if you talk a little bit too much at certain tables or if you lean in and say, hey, I want to be in charge of this entire thing, similar to what you were mentioning with the president, people, you know, might have sat back right. and looked at you and said, well, slow down. <laughs> you, you need to be here for 20 years first, or you need to do this or that first. And so I really heavily identified with look, I I believe the words that are coming out of this leader's mouth. I see the need for bold vision for the country, and I see an opportunity to to try to do something about it. And then I think what was more important for me is, and a lot of people identify with President Obama for different reasons, but I was coming out of an HBCU, and not a HBCU, the HBCU. Okay, Uh, Hello, say it again, honey. Yes. The the Mecca. (laughs) The and Mecca. So, what, the Mecca. So what was important, because we learned our history there. We know about Stokely Carmichael. We know about Thurgood Marshall. We know about Brown versus Board of Education. We know about the women's suffrage movement. We know that people who are on the grounds of Howard University have always stepped up to the front when there was time for history to change. And so okay. when I found myself in a position to make sure that the first black president got elected to office, I knew it was my responsibility to be there. I felt very compelled to do it. And that's why it was in me. So I just think that it's really important because we exist in the world 
sort of with different opportunities. But I think that conviction about who you are and what you're supposed to be doing while you're here is really, really important for your actual gifts to manifest. And I also want to just give a a plug to President Biden, uh, because as you know, he was extremely bold in offering with being a senior statesperson to be vice president of the United States. And so Mm -hmm. we would not have been able to successfully run and run a successful administration without President Biden's guidance, courage, ability to step up. And it's one of the reasons why I've rejoined the administration now. President Biden um, has always been, I think, a man of deep in character and integrity. He does what he says he's going to do. And he's just done that the entire time. And so it's been a blessing for me to sort of see, you know, this evolution within the country. Um, So much opportunity for young Americans to step up and be exactly who they were born to be. Um, And I just like um, being able to play a role in ushering some of that in. And that's, that's what I get really excited about. There's so much to say about what you just said. You're just dropping mm-hmm. gems on left and right. Okay, so first of all, yes, first of all, Howard is a mecca. Yes, we know. Um, second of all, the role of the vice president, very important. A lot of people are talking about right now the role of the vice president. I mean, we're not talking about a campaign right now, but our sister girl went to Howard too. She's a mecca grad as well. Absolutely. And so mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that she brings a whole new perspective in that White House, okay? And then also, what exactly you're doing at the Peace Corps, which I love the Peace Corps. Thank you, thank um, you. wanted to be a Peace Corps volunteer, but I was an immigrant, and so I, by the time, I got too old. Anyway, so... <laughs> You're never too old. You know, you know, I still even say I'm not a Peace Corps volunteer yet. So, but but yes, but let's get into okay, it. Okay, so let's talk about, let's get into it, yes. Well, so um, Vice President Kamala Harris, as we all know, is a powerhouse, you know, Howard undergrad, Howard Law, um, and really just has been clear on her vision um, to support President Biden as well as just the people of America, right? I, I think what's wonderful, um, and I don't want to, you know, sort of speak too much on this because obviously she has... Uh, her own office and her own spokespeople. But I have a huge affinity for the vice president, former uh, senator to California. And I actually was in California when when she won that race. And, you know, it's just dynamic overall, right? Because we know we've only been uh, voting in America since 1965, right? So 50 plus years, we've had a place in federal governance. And it's just dynamic to me that uh, not even 100 years later, we have people sitting in positions uh, to serve people that look like them in communities around the country. And even when it's not people that look just like them, right? The ability, like I was talking about earlier, to use your talents and gifts and hard studies and things that you know about the, the nation and the world to make the world a better place, we should be including all Americans in that process. And I think the fact that the vice president is not only a, a black woman, but also a woman who has Indian descent and bringing all of that background into policymaking, into um, thinking about governance, into thinking about what's right and fair on behalf of people on the ground, as I talked to earlier, is chiefly important because you have to be able to know the perspective of the American people in order to properly govern them. And we know this um, from you know our time, all of us, right? You being on the Hill, me being you know in both administrations. The same way that I get very passionate about say, social impact, I get very passionate about having the proper people around the table establishing grants and establishing policies and, and really caring after the American people. And that's what this is about. Uh, no matter what your background or heritage is, we should just have more representation uh, across the board in governance. So it's just really, really important. And, and I would also say, 
I think that the Peace Corps, uh, and, I, and I keep talking about social impact, it's allowing me to go global. I had a chance to work at Global Citizen over the pandemic for about a year on a major project, uh, One World Together at Home. Uh, now I'm, I'm thinking about the global majority, right? So we have not only a lot of things that we need to address here in the United States, but we're connected. Um, humanity is connected. Americans need to learn a little bit more about the world. I know that young people who want to be leaders coming forward really need to be thinking about themselves in the in the perspective of the global economy, right? And and just being more versed, well versed at what's going on around the world. So the Peace Corps, uh, you can volunteer for two years for people who do not know. We currently have a campaign uh, going on, uh, Peace Corps uh, backslash bold, uh, peacecorps.gov backslash bold. And we are, again, inviting all Americans into the process, um, right? If you want to go, uh, we are in 60 different countries. Over our course of our history, we've been in 144 different countries, and we have six sectors. And we are really locking arms with leaders in local communities around the world to empower those communities uh, together. So it's not America sort of going in. We're always going places at the invitation of the governments that are there. We do a lot of teaching of English as a second language around the world, uh, which really helps people uh, as they are traveling around the world to be able to get excellent jobs, to be able to have different careers. You know, women um, who are the backbone of their villages and communities, uh, for them to be able to go into entrepreneurship and do different things. And so we are embedded around the world to not only learn about other cultures and learn other languages and learn our humanity, right? But we're also sharing some of what we have here in the United States with others. Uh, and we love that. Uh, I happen to not be a return Peace Corps volunteer yet, and many RPCVs will tell you that, but I have the immense honor and privilege of um, serving as communications director where we are thinking about um, how we go to HBCUs and MSIs and go all around the country to invite people into the process so that they understand that we are really putting humanity first. We are really trying to grow, I think, each of us as folks who are traveling this journey we call life. And it is uh, incumbent upon us to be excellent people as we do that. And so this is how I've landed at the Peace Corps. I still do social impact work, but I see this as social impact work uh, and just very excited and, and proud to be here. Absolutely. It's such a great institution. Um, like I said, right after college, I wanted to go, but I didn't have my citizenship yet. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll do it after that. Didn't, didn't get to do it. But one thing I found really fascinating is part of my work on the Hill, I had to oversee a lot of programs, U.S. development programs, and one of them was the Peace Corps. I can never forget one Peace Corps volunteer in particular I met in Zambia. This young lady was this powerful young lady. She had her hut in Zambia, okay? She had her little cook stove, which consisted of like wood, pieces of wood that she had constructed. She had a little tiny little TV radio thing. I mean, she was out there in, in the community. This not like the Peace Corps. They are not like in some hotel, in the capital city of the, you know, she was not in Lusaka. She was all the way in what we call as Africans, the bush, okay? And she was <laughs> with the people and she relied on her neighbors to like, you know, help her out and stuff. I just found it to be so beautiful. It's, it's what every 
Peace Corps volunteer tells us. And, and it, it's a beautiful experience. And that's kind of, thank you for bringing that up, Aldine, because, you know, I think sometimes there's a misconception that, you know, the Peace Corps, you know, is not uh, diverse when we, we, in fact, are all over the world, <laughs> learning all types of languages with all types of people. And to your great point, locking arms with leaders who are already in communities to learn just as much as we share. Um, that's the beautiful part about it is this is definitely a two-way exchange. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Americans will find that, and anyone who is not from America will tell you this, we are the ones who speak the least languages. We are the ones that yes. need to learn a little bit more about the rest of the globe. So the Peace Corps is just really an amazing opportunity for young leaders to think about things that way, uh, to get engaged, to get involved, uh, and just um, continue their progress, you know, as as an American, but also as a citizen of the world. When you're talking about how we speak the least number of languages of, I think, any, you know, Western society and the experience, this young woman, I, I said, little girl, she was not. She just was a very young woman. And I remember thinking, my God, how bold she was. When we talk about audacity, being bold, to be willing to live in this very remote area and commune with the people. She was a teacher. She was in the education program. And to be there with those kids, if she talked about those kids like they were her children. And it was just a beautiful thing to see. And the audacity of like just taking that risk in life, it seemed to have brought her so much joy. And I really want to thank and commend all the Peace Corps volunteers that were out there in the remotest of remote corners of the world doing amazing things, teaching kids, sharing American values, American cultural experiences with these children and these people in, in the developing world. It's wonderful. Absolutely. It absolutely is. It's one of the most beautiful assignments I've ever had the, the privilege of sharing. So I'm uh, Plus one to that, and thank you for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, also you um you're a change agent. I know we're still in your you're still at the Peace Corps, and we don't want you to leave because you're doing some great work over there. You're doing great work. But when you think about what's next on your social impact journey, what are the issues you want to work on right now? I mean, America is going through and grappling through so much. We are seeing everything from our political system pretty much breaking down. I mean at this point, okay, we can say that, to still what's going on with racial injustice, to the climate issues, to, you know, all of these things, what kind of lights you up? What's your next project, if you will, after you come out of the administration with that beautiful service that you have given to the world? What are you going to do next? What's your focus? You know, Algene, I don't know what I'm going to do next because we are all have a certain amount of time that we can serve at the Peace Corps. So, but what I will say is one thing that lights me up and I'm committed to is, you know, this sort of, I call it the now generation of leadership. I think succession planning and thinking about, you know, the strongest pipelines of progress are really, really important. We have a lot of solutions in our communities um, around the United States of America, in the Bronx, in Nebraska, in Compton, you know, in LA, right? Uh, in Chicago and in uh, New Mexico, right? All over the place, Arizona. And really making sure that pockets of communities that have uh, traditionally been underrepresented um, understand their place in the process, the solution seeking, 
right? When we're thinking about stronger financial structures, we're thinking about technology and access to technology. When we're thinking about healthcare and new innovations that we need to keep people healthier longer. When we're thinking about diplomacy and the ability to go around the world and tamp down conflict, right? When we're talking about all of these things, we need the best that we have in this country to help us do it. And we need them to come from all corners of the country. So I'm very passionate about that. I think it's really important to remove barriers to access, but even specifically for the Native American community. We haven't seen enough of them. And and the Native American population was the one that was, you know, here in the United States of America first, right? So we have some tremendous work to do with regard to our young leaders. And I say when I'm talk, when I'm saying young leaders, I mean middle school, I mean high school, really dreaming very big and having adults support those visions so that they can develop into the the, the adults and the leaders that they are supposed to be. This is where I think it gets good. You know, when we really remove barriers to access and we allow some of the best innovators we have to take those excellent STEM ideas that they're perfecting in sixth grade and come up with compounds that we need to solve for COVID or different things, right? These, these innovations don't come from nowhere. They come from people believing in something and cultivating it in the young humans that we have that will one day take the baton and lead the, the country in the world. So that's why whatever I do, it's going to be focused on that um, mm, because I, love it. I strongly believe in one of the things I learned, you know, during my time doing some of the social impact work is that it's really hard to change the behavior of adults. But when you get uh, young people as they are in the process of growing and learning and developing, if you put the right things into them uh, as they are growing and developing, they will always blow your mind every single time. And so I've, I've done a lot of focus on this uh, young leadership development uh, side of the equation because we know and understand from statistics that if you get people under you know, get them the proper salary, get them in safe housing and good communities. If you share good information, the process through which human beings are socialized is that they're going to produce the same things back that are put into them. That's just kind of most of the time how we work. And if we did that more in communities that are not normally at the table, I think we would surprise ourselves not only as a nation, but then how we are also showing up with empathy around the world. And that's kind of my assignment. Um, on this earth. And it's something that I feel in my belly. I get very excited I about I can it. tell. <laughs> yes, I love that. Your excitement is infectious. It's palpable through the Zoom call, you know. And it's amazing to see that you're like focused on the future. You're focused on the youth. And that's really very critical, I think, at this point in time where we see adults kind of messing things up, okay? Let's just be real. <laughs> you know, it, you know, if we start young, investing these kids, we can, you know, go a long way as a society. I mean, especially for Mother Earth, right? We 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 have, I think I can just say completely dropped the ball on this environmental piece. Uh global warming is imminent and humanity has a problem with Mother Earth. <laughs> we we know this. And so we really do need some some strong, rapid innovation and, and some folks who know languages that can talk to each other about how we're all going to be able to continue to uh, stay on planet Earth for many years to come. But that's not the only issue. There are, there are tons of issues. But I, I mean, that's really, you know, something that I have a keen eye towards as well, although I haven't been in the environmental space because we know it's, it's existential and it's, it's here and it's coming rapidly. Um, and we need folks who are, who are ready to jump in uh, and help us solve. It sounds to me like you're about to start 
you know, whenever you're done with this uh, government stuff, you're about to start your own organization doing something around the youth, you know, something around those minority leaders of the future. I love this. And I just love to meet a Delta woman doing such great things because we make the world go round. You know, I hate to be biased, but I have to be. We, we do. Uh, as an imperative, just, I'm we, so we proud to do. know you. <laughs> Likewise, Sora. Thank you. What advice as you, you know, embark on your career and think back about, you know, what it was like when you were first starting out? What advice would you give your younger self back when you were first starting your career? You know, I think the advice I would I would give is just you know, be patient with yourself in the, the process. But I mean, I, I, it's hard when you say give advice to myself because I, I, don't, I wouldn't have changed how I've gone about this at all. Um, if I were giving advice to someone else, though, I would say, you know, really 10 toes down, believe in yourself and keep positive, good, vibrant energy around you. Uh, people that believe in you, words that affirm you, uh, if you are a person of faith, faith that holds you down when things get challenging. These things are really important because, you know, when you try to live a life with a high level of intention, it's hard. It's not always easy. You're not always going to get paid what you want to get paid. It's not always going to be the job you think it should be. It's not always going to be the people you think it should be working with. And you kind of have to get a North Star navigator and believe what you are doing for anybody else to believe that you can do it. And so that's what I would just say, you know, to myself and any other young person who is figuring out their career, trying to understand what they want to do, trying to figure out money versus job title versus duties or whatever have you, is to sort of reverse engineer this and understand, you know, if somebody's trading you money for the days of your life, you know, what do you want to have accomplished before you leave the earth? What does that look like? What are your gifts? How can you bring them to pass? Um, how can you um, connect, you know, with who you are and where you come from to bring out the best um, in others, right? These are the things that you should be thinking about when you're trying to put together a career or take a job assignment or even start to choose out what your life assignment is. And it will always work out because whether you're down or looking for a new job or trying to figure out you know, how to start a business or join another business or do whatever, you will always have that passion inside of you and you will always have your why. Why am I doing this? What is the purpose of it? And how can I show up and be effective? Um, And those are really important questions to answer um, as you go along the way. What do you say to people who they, they have, like you, the passion, they know their why. However, you know that the higher we get in some of these spaces and places, mm-hmm. the more likely we are the only ones that look like us. And the more likely there is a cabal of people who are not not only not supporting us, but maybe sometimes actively, you know, opposing us. Mm-hmm. What do you tell um, young people about that? And then also and how to overcome essentially imposter syndrome. I would say that, and the world has changed a lot, which is great, because I remember, I, I said earlier in our conversation, I was talking about pre-Obama and post-Obama, right? So like pre-Obama, there were, I was, I was a young professional and there were, there was a lot of verbiage and language that was just loosely kind of thrown around about leadership and all the steps that you need to take 
to even see a leadership seat and how it was almost impossible and how nobody had ever done it before you or how you need to think about, you know, instead of being a lawyer, maybe you should be a paralegal. Instead of being a doctor, maybe you should be a nurse. Instead of being the vice president, maybe you should be the executive assistant. These things were said to us directly into our faces. I had a problem with that, right? But I also knew who I was. And, and I would say, to your point, for younger people who are thinking about matriculating over the course of their career, even though it's post-Obama and a lot of people have had physical examples of leadership, so they know they can't say it out loud, sometimes it's still going to be a challenge when you're ready to lead, right? You have to know within yourself, you know, who you are, whose you are, and what you're doing. And then you have to assess, you have to take stock around you. Hey, am I in a place that's going to foster this, nurture it, do they want me here? Do they not want me here? And then you have to make decisions on if you want to be there or not based upon your overall life goals, right? And I've had to do this quite a bit in my career. And I and I also, you know, have not taken it um, as personally because it's just by nature of how the laws have been set up in this country, by nature of what people have and haven't seen before, by nature of how uh, structures work. I'm well aware a lot of people have never seen my package with my level of passion, with my level of belief in myself. And I was just lucky enough to get into an environment, many of them, where the adults around me affirmed that I was, in fact, not crazy for believing so. So I think, you know, you have to expect it. You have to expect it. You have to go places that will foster your growth, where your vision can come to pass, where you are appreciated, and then you can do great work. And that's not going to be everywhere. But, you know, what's beautiful about some of the work that we're all doing in different respective uh, arenas we're in is that many of the institutions that formerly did not understand are, are starting to understand better. And it's creating more opportunity for people who are coming behind us to step in and lead. Well, I just uh, I want to applaud you for giving that advice because it is uh, just ditto, ditto, ditto. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with this advice about having that internal fortitude to just move past all of that and finding places and spaces that you can flourish and you can thrive. But I love being a disruptor. I think uh, you are one of those people that your passion for what you do is, I, I feel like electricity through the laptop here. <laughs> like oh, it's you. very, it's palpable <laughs> and it's real. And I and I love that. And it, you can tell you're going to do really I mean, you're already doing great things, but you know, you're going to continue to do even more uh, great oh, things because you. you know what? I, I hope so. <laughs> At this point, I, I think so. you're a, a bison and you're a delta. And I've had a, quite a few in uh, episodes with women um, who are either or or both. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be given a production credit to Delta or to. <laughs> To, to Howard, because it's like, when we talk about minority leaders, you're really doing it. No, oh, thank you, Algene. I mean, the other footprint I would say here is, and I know you had a last question, is when I'm talking about affirming environments, that's really all we're talking about, right? Howard, HBCUs are affirming environments, right? Yes. The Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated uh, is an affirming environment. We are expected to lead and to create change and to get in places and be active members and citizens of society. So this is the same thing I'm saying. We, I'm trying to sort of equal this out for any AKs or Sigma Gamma Rho yeah. that may be listening or anyone else in the D9. Oh, yeah. um, okay, we love the D9. Yes. We oh, love everybody. We love everybody. We love everybody. But my, my point is like, too. 
And, <laughs> and the Institute as well coming up on Howard's uh, graduation. It's just important. You know, this is why I get very passionate because I'm a product of being in infirming environments. And so this is what I'm saying for the, the next generation, the now generation of leadership. When you get young people who are developing in an affirming environment, so you say, yes, go for that. Yes, go for that. We expect this of you. You can lead. You can do this. You are, you are the best we have, right? These things matter. And this is why people who come out of those environments end up winning <laughs> because there's nothing in our spirit or in our core that says that we can't. And I, I just wanted to sort of double tap on that point because it's really, really important. And, and specifically, you talked about imposter syndrome earlier, which we all have. But it's so nice to have examples like Vice President Kamala Harris. It's so nice to have examples, you know, that you can look to and say, oh, no, somebody else actually got that done. So there's no reason why I can't. And I just had to shout out the HBCUs and the D9 in the world for creating those spaces for, for young minority leaders. Yes, absolutely. And when they were created, it was out of necessity because they we didn't have any, you know, many other options. But they're even more essential now, I think, because we also need those affirming spaces, just like you said. So thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can people find out more about the Peace Corps? Um, Because hopefully we're recruiting some people. (laughs) Hopefully. Yes, yes. Come join us. So Peace Corps is going to be www.peacecorps.gov backslash bold. Uh, And then me, I'm just at Charmian Kinder on social. And my website is charmianekinder.com. So at charmianekinder or charmianekinder.com, I'm somewhere talking about Peace Corps on all those platforms and would love, you know, at Peace Corps on all social platforms as well. But, you know, come join us. If you're trying to be a citizen of the world, you want to promote friendship and world peace, and you want to sort of just have a different experience, um, it's, it's a dynamic program to, to look at. And then we'd just love to connect with any other change makers you know, around the country and around the world who um, have a clear vision uh, for the excellence that is coming out in communities all across the country. Uh, Excited to continue to connect with you all to do amazing work. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been real. You've given us a word and you're inspirational and you've inspired me today. And I know our listeners are grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you, Aldine. Wow, what a passionate change maker Charmian Kinder is. She is absolutely incredible and inspirational. And I'm going to tell you, I don't meet a whole lot of people who are just so electric, right? She's just such a dynamic person. And you can tell that the passion that she brings to her work is a huge motivator for her. And that's why I wanted to have her on the show today. We have so many different types of minority leaders here that we bring to you. We bring the super passionate communications stars. We bring the more, you know, the people who do the background work and who are, you know, writing and doing incredible things in the background. And I just love the dynamism of these women who are just leading the path for the next generation of minority leaders. So thank you for coming on this journey with us. We hope that you will subscribe, review, and all the things. Look us up on at the Minority Leaders on Instagram, or you can even reach out on my personal Instagram, 
at Algene underscore 1913. And just shout us out. Let us know what you want to hear in the next few episodes, who you want to hear from. If you want to be on the show and maybe you did not go to Howard University (laughs) or you did not pledge Delta Sigma Theta and you want to represent, (laughs) we would love to talk to you as well. All right. We'll see you next time. from the Minority Leaders, find us on Instagram at The Minority Leaders, where we'll continue the discussion, highlight women of color change makers, and keep breaking every one of those glass ceilings. I'm your host, Algene Sajri. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next time with more inspiring conversations.